My name is Andy Greenwald. This is my podcast. Great show today. I was joined by a uh, brilliant TV writer, a good guy, and an active Twitterer. Uh, Stephen Falk is the creator um, and a showrunner, executive producer of the FXX comedy You're the Worst, which just finished a really exceptional third season last night. Uh, Stephen was nice enough to come in and talk about many things. Um, and I promise if you start listening to the interview, we eventually do talk about You're the Worst and the third season of You're the Worst. Before that, we maybe talk a little bit about the dangers of the internet and um, uh, our political climate. So feel free, trigger warning, fast forward through that if you need to. But um, no, it was terrific to talk to Stephen. I hope, I assume if you're listening to this, you've listened to You're the Worst, or you've watched You're the Worst. But uh, always a pleasure to talk about television with someone who has very strong opinions on it, in addition to making a career there. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into my conversation with You're the Worst creator, Stephen Falk. Yeah, let's talk about the internet. Because now we're recording. Yeah, now we're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you said uh, right before we... Oh, Stephen Falk, welcome. I'm going to do an intro before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people won't be totally right. flabbergasted. You can do that thing of, hey, I'm appearing at Laffer's in Iowa right now, and I'm in my motel room, but I had a conversation with Stephen What Falk. a great night at Chuckles. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yes, and then I'll play a little bit of um, bluegrass on my own personal acts. <laughs> uh, you said that you needed to keep your phone away from the mic today because you're getting a myriad of hate tweets yeah. because you said some stuff about the first baby elect. <laughs> I said Chiefs. one thing. I just said his eyes look cold and dead. Fair. But uh, yeah, uh, this was actually the fact that you said that. I feel like that's buttressing my decision to quit social media So completely. tell me what happened. So the results are rolling in. You can tell right away, like me, it's, all it's going not down. good. Yeah. Like immediately. immediately, first date, you're like, oh. It was a particularly disastrous day for America and civilization, but really let's make it about what this <laughs> sure. is about, which is about me. Yeah. Um, and your relationship to the internet. And my relationship to the internet. <laughs> uh, my my wife was had left town that day, so I was, just, I was at home oh, with my child, oh and I needed to protect her. Yeah. Um, because that is our most primal responsibility. Yeah. And so... Much of that night was spent huddled in her room, like watching Peppa Pig, while my phone is buzzing and I'm trying to look at it, realizing the world is ending, oh, which was a very disturbing thing. But I also, like, in that moment, I did have one, because I also didn't eat for 24 hours, so I had this, like, one moment of intense clarity. Wait, why didn't you eat for 24 Because I was so nervous, and then it got worse and worse, and I forgot to eat. Oh, my God. And I had this moment where I realized how unhealthy I had been anyway for the previous six months, because I had not gone four minutes without checking my phone, right. just to have, like, Josh Marshall or the 1600 guys or anyone reassure me. Right. Yes. And then I was like, but wait, so if no one knows anything, why am I sending my own insecurity out into the world just to have it echoed yeah. back to me? Like, let, what if I just... What if I just did a little self-care here? And it's helped. I feel much better. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the, in that scenario, the, that sort of, uh, you know, the, the faction of the, the, the populace who need, like, cruel big daddy Trump to reassure them that yeah. they'll be okay. Right. That was Nate Silver and 1600 yes. Guys and, um, and Princeton and, and all those things for you. Yes. Yes. We all need a big daddy of some sort, yeah. even if they're smaller daddies. And... The other thing Look was... to the helpers, as they say. Uh, that, that actually... Did you tweet that? Mm-hmm. That may have been the last tweet I saw, Stephen. You sent me out on a high. No <laughs> joke. That was... It, maybe it was the Xanax, too, but that was ringing around in my head oh, that boy. night. And But I also feel like this, and, and then we can move on to talk about your excellent television sure. show, You're the Worst. Um, I also feel that 
I, after this happened, I needed to just sit with it, and I couldn't go back and get myself agitated again and worked no. up because we got to do this for like four years, not four days, and well, I just didn't want to be tweeted at. I didn't. I didn't want it. No, I, I, I absolutely get it. I, I did something that is not as brave, but um, for <laughs> First me it of all, was. Thank you. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> for me, it was. Uh, well, doesn't Luke Cage wear a hoodie? Yeah. Well, I'm wearing either, and look there at me. <laughs> Because uh, it's 93 degrees in November. Um, so good. No, it's good that we're going to opt out of all climate change stuff. No, that's good. That's that's great. Um, uh, uh, I, at the beginning of the season, or near the beginning of the season, decided to not read recaps or critical responses. To your show. To, or tweets about my show. How did you do that, though? If, I, you're, if you were engaged on Twitter, how did you... Well, uh, one sneak through occasionally, but I had to unfollow everyone who I knew was going to, or I just okay. muted them during those days. So that's you why know. you haven't noticed my absence. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or your or your hate of my show. And right. uh, this is going to be a rough interview. Then, oh, if you don't God, know what's coming. No, uh, no, I'm completely unaware. It's like because I, I realized um, I was giving a lot of emotional power yes. to to people who are paid to review my show or, or, or not, or just Twitter yes. in general. I had, you know, I had these standing searches and, um, and I would get like uh, Stephen Falk genius, Stephen yeah, Falk visionary. He, although those were there. Um, and, and, uh, but, but, but it was, it was exactly that. What you're saying is that, you know, 399 nice tweets about an episode would be ruined by one, oh. one bad tweet. And, and, and Definitely. I, that is the dumbest thing on the planet. And, and but it's it so it, like it was a very simple solution to something that I I'm very entrenched in because I started as a recapper, mm-hmm. um, I you know started making television on a weekly basis um, as Twitter was rising in 2008 I believe I started on Weeds so um, so I've been like I haven't made an episode of television without gauging the critical response in well, the that's moment. That's an instant hit. Yeah. And now I had to do without that. I mean, with Orange is the New Black, it's slightly different because it all gets dumped yes. at the same time. So you're not sort of getting the weekly feedback, which I hate. And I think you that... Hate, you hate the dumping. I do. Me I too. Actually, I came to a... Uh, just this morning, um, I was realizing that my season's almost over. I'm mm-hmm. still in post. Like, I did yeah. my final mix today. And it's going to air on Wednesday. And that'll be it. Yep. The finale. We're doing the last two episodes on, on Wednesday and this back is, to back. This is going to be airing Thursday, so we can talk about the finale. People will have seen so it. So the finale aired last night. Good job. And, um, and, and it's over. So now it's over. And three days ago, when we recorded this, I was still doing posts. So um, <laughs> well, now I'm... Oh, wait. Okay, so now it's Saturday? I'm so confused. Yeah. It's before... This is like watching Westworld. This is... Like, I've been through so many daylight savings, and I still can't... <laughs> the next morning, I'm still like... Like to my baby. Oh, it's only it's seven a.m. to her. No, it's nine. What? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> First of all, that's let's just call it eight. That's not true. But um, a- anyway, so so uh, I was thinking about it, so so it's over, and I'm like, wow, okay, so that was ten and a half months of my life because I do my show very yeah. stupidly, um, and uh, and it's done, and that, and then I started thinking about streaming. It's all dumped out, and I was like. And and the expanding scripted universe, which is mm-hmm. which is a constant thought on my brain, it is really just turning into content. It really is just pulp. Mm-hmm. It's just things that fill up a a schedule. Yes, right. 
like podcasts. I mean, uh, uh, Earwolf has to uh, try to beat uh, uh, what's another Gimlet, Gimlet, Panoply. Yes, and, uh, and the Ringer Podcast Network, the Ringer Podcast Network. They have to beat them, so they have to have more buzzy things. And we don't have a murder show. Where's our murder show? And but it doesn't really matter. You're not focusing on that murder show. You're just focusing on having one. Yes. And so, th- so they can get a be- the network can be big enough, then it can sell to a phone company, to a phone company, <laughs> to Verizon. Yeah. Verizon is making TV now. Yeah, we joke on our show that w- that that Waze that Waze is making content, <laughs> but that's not so far off. No, that seems inevitable. Yeah, I, what you're what you're speaking to, and I promise we're going to get to the year of the worst season and the finale. I don't even care. We don't even have to. Well, I've, just well, I've got questions. Okay, I'm a, you may not know it because you muted me, but I am an active <laughs> fan of your show. But one of the reasons why I was I have not rushed back into the 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 breach of television criticism uh, writing it for the internet or mm. for for map applications like Waze <laughs> was precisely because no matter what I wanted to do with it and sometimes I think I hit what I wanted to do or it was successful many times I wasn't but no matter what it was that I was writing it was very hard especially after 4 years not to feel that I was just still shoveling the same internet snow mm. no matter as everyone else no matter what right. because we were all we all had our orange of the new black think pieces up the same week right. and we all had to have a thought to fuel think piece, yeah. and then next week you shovel in something else, and that feeling of just like yeah. they produce the content, we react to the content, and then there's the next content be- started to feel overwhelming. Well, I guess uh, you know one thing you did, and I think some people do, is seek out the Deutschland 83s. You know, seek out the things that aren't getting. Look the, to the helpers. Look to the helpers. <laughs> look to the international market helpers. <laughs> uh, a, a show, by the way, of which I probably would have no clue it existed yeah. if not. Did you for watch it? You right? No. <laughs> But I've been I've been I haven't watched anything. I haven't watched uh, I haven't watched Orange is a New Black since I left. It, right, it's employed. But that's because you drop the mic and you walk away. No, and it's just because there's like there's too much TV. Also, I don't like it, and I, I, I it's making me not like it. You don't television. like that show? Or no what? television. Oh yeah, television is the worst. Television is making me not like television. The the I agree the, with that. the sheer amount. Um, you know, there's there's this old movie Moscow on the Hudson starring Robin Williams, mm-hmm. R.I.P., where he is um, a, a recent emig- uh, well, uh, what do you call it, defector to the United States, um, and he's in a supermarket and he's going shopping for the first time. It's a big American yeah. supermarket, and he he comes from the land of you know um, of waiting in line for bread, and 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 I hope the Russians love their children too. And uh, he is trying to pick a coffee, and he is overwhelmed by all the things. I think one one of the world, Folger's crystals, he says, mm-hmm. and he clutches uh, and falls to the ground. Clutches the coffee and falls to the ground. The you know the paradox of choice. It, but but it is it is to a ridiculous amount. Like if you like, I've I've gone through like three different in, in, intellectual sort of full circle loops on this to where I'm I'm back at a point where I scroll through my seventy eight percent full TiVo and my yeah. Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. Oh, sure. uh, wh- who else could deliver TV to me right now at any second? iTunes, um, and there's nothing I want to watch. That that's the paralysis I find often. Yeah. Or you spend forty minutes deciding, and then you're like, forget it. Let's just read a magazine yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. Like we started watching The Crown. Yeah, uh, and um, and I like it, but but. What it's also making me do is I'll sample it and then I'll be like, "Well, I'm done." Yeah, I you know I've heard of people watching shows on on double speed like they do podcasts now. Yes, and so I'm sitting in a in a coloring room, you know, you shaving should... two frames off. Yes, what does it matter then? But you tell me. So you're you're crafting this. You're pouring yeah. months of your of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're, for God's sake, you're a family man. You there are other things you could be doing, could. but you're making this show. I'm glad you are. Thank you. That's the end of the podcast. But no, I don't need what, to. Like, who but, cares anymore? But do you feel that? 
do you, someone must care? You, no, or have you muted those people? No, I care. And and honestly, if I was getting no ratings, which I don't know because I, I erased the uh, ratings emails. Do so, you really? Sorry, have, have you Barbara muted, Crawford. Have you muted John Solberg completely? Just <laughs> all of the press department of yeah. FX? Yeah. Uh, and, do you do uh, know you got renewed, right? What? Shoot. Oh my I just, God. I just ruined your 2017. That's so cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I know that. Um, I mean, God bless the the move. But no, sorry, if, if no one was watching and I was still getting paid to do it, I would do it and I would craft it to mm-hmm. that degree because that's just how mama raised me. But, right. um, but, but, you know, when you think about it too hard or you engage in the, in, in television, uh, Writing in sort of the um, the intellectual uh, world around people who think about television. If you engage in that too much, if I, as I've done since the moment I decided to write television, mm-hmm. become a student of the industry, as my former agent said. Um, if I, if I still did that, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to to do it to the same at the, at the same level because. I would be uh, uh, thinking about it too much. You'd be thinking about it too much. I'd be too aware. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think I have been, you know, like, I, gosh, I remember last season um, in the middle, like we, you know, we, we, we had we had our first few episodes and, and people were still writing about it. And then uh, sort of in the mi- middle of the like between the first and second act of mm-hmm. the season, right, between like episodes five and six, I remember reading someone, I think it was Wilcott who said like, Oh, uh, no one's writing about you're the worst anymore, or something like that. Like, and yeah. then we dropped this dis- depression yeah. um, twist, which was a, a big thing for the show. And then, you know, from then through the end of the season, constant think pieces, constant yes. tweets, constant whatever. Was, that, I, was was that gratifying? Well, I, yeah, I kind of wanted to say in your face, Walcott, but uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like, it, I shouldn't read that. It shouldn't affect me. It shouldn't affect it either way. And also, like, can. Like, there are show. I oh, God, I just thought of some show that was, like, a big deal. Like, oh, divorce, right? Yes. Big deal. And not that I'm I'm tuned in anymore, but I don't think people are writing about it. Like, it just happened, mm-hmm. right? People were, of course, she has a good press uh, person. It's a Insta story. Everyone's going to do their, you know, she's going to be on every podcast. She's and, back, and yeah. Every article, no one's talking about it. The, the talking about it thing is fascinating to me because, obviously, I talk about this stuff as part yeah. of my job. right. I like talking about TV. One of the reasons why we've had this quasi golden age is because we all wanted to talk about it. We yeah. all wanted to watch together and share and yeah. make the universe a water cooler. Look what we've done. But look what we've done. We've there are now too many water coolers, maybe, or not enough cups. Or but the point being, we've kind of we've lost that the consensus shows by having so many shows. Yeah. But the flip side of it is, and let me know if you disagree with this, but the the people who are funding all this content are not funding it to fuel our conversations. They're funding it to fuel their libraries for long-term asset development. Right. So, you know, Netflix dumps all of them in one night because they don't care if we're going to, like, all puzzle over the twist in episode seven right. together. They, they couldn't care less. So it's almost as if we still want to cover shows a certain way because this is how we enjoy doing it week to week, talking, talking, talking. But, you know, maybe... To flip it, I mean, maybe even FX doesn't care because they know they're going to have they have a quality season of You're the Worst in the can as part of FX now forever. <laughs> I mean, I think to some extent that's true. Landgraf cares about the library and cares very much about protecting the library. That's why it's this no longer FX on... capo John Landgraf. Yeah, FX <laughs> capo. That's why it's no longer on Netflix because Netflix was branding things. Netflix stripping the the bug in the corner. 
uh, doing stuff like that, uh, shenanigans. So that's why he's selling to Hulu now. Um, but yes, and, and that's why more content. And I'm, I'm sure like other people are doing, there will eventually be shows made directly for FX now. I'm sure mm-hmm. that that's coming down. There are D- for Doug a- Benson Industries. Is yeah, the TV that Industries. Uh, you know, a- HBO Go is doing that now. Yeah, um, here they do after show sometimes. They do. I, I hear yeah. uh, you may have you may know a little something about that. But 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 what what I will say is um, FX still very much cares about um, critical response and their they do PR more, team more so than some of these other networks yeah, slash services. Yeah, I mean because you know if if you were aware of if you read any trade papers or anything. Um, uh, everywhere, like right after the Emmys, was you know next to HBO, eighteen wins. You know FX cares about being the the number one or two place for quality television, and and number three. <laughs> That's how I feel about this podcast: the number one, two, or up to eight place for television <laughs> yeah, conversation. But then, like number nine, fuck you, rearview mirror time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how he. I think he feels like you know the then yeah. as long as he's beating Netflix. So I think there's something very personal for him. But, but I will also say that very rare, and I, I, I've only really worked um, in the long term for Showtime, NBC, and uh, FX. Um, oh, sorry, and Netflix other than FX. Um, those, pla- those places don't have the same um, top-down, hands-on approach that yes. FX does. John Langraff reads all the scripts, watches all the cuts, calls me at least four or five times a season. Writes emails to critics. Sometimes writes emails to critics in which, he, them to in which he block quotes the critics' recent piece saying, comma, recently you wrote. And then, <laughs> and then, and then hypothetical. And then maybe that critic uh, has the balls then to trash uh, his next show. Which, you know, these it's it's all it, it's all conversation. It is. That's what I think. <laughs> it's, um, all it's all conversation. It's all content or yeah. conversation. But, I, but, but, I, but I guess I mean it does. He does. Yes. Building the library. Certainly I benefit from the other part, which is establishing a brand identity. The, and I'm FXX. But there's a third plank to yeah. that, too, I think. And I, I talked a little bit to Nick Rad from FX about this when he, when he was on with, with me and Chris the other week. Um, it's not just about building a library to have widgets. I mean, to, investing in a show like The Americans, which you know I love, mm. um, has value outside of the library and outside of the critical acclaim because you're investing in, you're saying, you're putting down a marker saying, this is good. Right. This is quality. And that has could, I think, have a halo effect because other people want to work with you, want to be in business with you. You have a good relationship with good people. And I do think that, that, that you know, pays things forward so you know you're, like you're the worst is established now like a, a it, as you said it's on fxx you went from one to the other but you're on that network now that gave you freedom to to, to grow basically at a different pace maybe a more natural pace right. right but also they're in business with you full stop you have an overall deal with them and you can develop other projects mm. and there it seems to be to be not just a in um they don't see it's not just that they're involved they seem to be thinking they seem to be forward-thinking in a way some of these other networks aren't. That this relationship isn't just about improving, you know, giving you good notes on episode eight. It's about the projects that you will bring to them and the relationships that you will forge with them in year eight of yeah. being affiliated well, and, with and, I, and I think certainly, you you know, when, when Verizon is making television... Uh, or, I'm a sprint man myself. Okay. I think that's, that's where the real future is. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, obviously then... To lock down at a reasonable price a a voice that you enjoy um, is probably good business. Not too reasonable, I hope, <laughs> for the sake of your kid. But <laughs> uh, yeah, basic cable. <laughs> sure. Um, 
you know, so I, I, I that see, and they seem to be making more, you know, overall deals um, than yeah. at least I remember them having done in the past, and it's important. So, as anyone who's listened this far can tell, you are. Um, you're you're a broad thinker in the TV world. You are not just thinking about the color correction or whatever. You are thinking about the industry as a whole because yes. you approached it. For people who don't know from our our last conversation on yeah. the podcast, you started on the other end. You were writing for Television Without Pity. I was uh, orig- OG recapper. Yeah, OG. Um, all of that is a way to talk to, to to bring into these these questions I had about the season and about the direction of You're the Worst in general. Um, and I wonder how much of that. How much of the brain that used to be a big fan of TV, or at least a thinker about TV, <laughs> informed it? So I think we've touched on this a little bit before, but I'm going to big picture yeah, it, please. and then we can, drill, we can drill down, as they say. So the thing about the first season of You're the Worst, uh, I think it was almost perfect. I loved it, as you know. Um, it's just absolutely incredible, enjoyable, rich, emotional, engaging, so funny. And it was more or less like a cracked mirror rom-com. You know, it was the wrong people getting together, but for pretty amazing reasons. And you told that story... You told that story. Let's put it that way. I feel like at the end of that first season, you get a second season renewal. And, um, you know, there's almost like there, there are many smaller choices, but in many ways, it's like the fork in the road. You could continue this idea of it as a rom-com and you break them up and you get them back together and you break them up and you get them back together. Or you do a riskier thing, which is you just keep you keep going. You keep driving down that road. They're together. But now what? And the now what in this case led to some really bold, I think, emotional storytelling choices in terms of these people's inner lives, expanding the the side characters from, you know, from supporting comedic characters into rich, fucked up, interesting people also. Um, and I think the benefit of that is that it maybe it made the show messier. It maybe it made the show not as Walcott-y in the short term, <laughs> but the rewards have been a lot more rewarding. Um, is that a fair assessment of how you looked at the decisions you made since? Or is that just the sort of chin-stroking TV critic looking back with the hindsight of not having been in the rooms? <laughs> I always think of, um, we actually did a parody of this, but um, Michael Silverblatt, Bookworm. Have you ever listened to that on, on NPR? <laughs> no, but <laughs> Silverblatt's my mom's maiden name. I think, I think so that's his be. name, Silverblatt, or I'm just being sort of... Um, Picking a random uh, Jewish name um, from my family tree. So uh, from your family amazing. tree, I do, I do my research. Uh, <laughs> it's a little a little scary in Trump's America, but I appreciate it. But I, I listened to um, I listened to his his show, and I'm an avid reader, and I'm you know I'm interested in the book world, and I try to sort yeah. of keep up with what's out there. Um, uh, and I have no idea what he's ever talking about. And he'll go on for like, <laughs> like you just did for yeah. a couple paragraphs. Sure. And is that a fair assessment? And I, I did watch your eyes glaze over as you were thinking. No, about, I, you were thinking about Baron Trump's face. I was, and the person always, you know, always says it's a fa- fantastic assessment. Uh, and will then then continue and, and pick up the baton. Mm. Whereas I'm going, I, I would actually go. Michael, I'm sorry. I have no fucking idea what you just said. <laughs> what a polite uh, way of telling me. You have no idea book. what I just said. No, I absolutely do. But I, your chin-stroking uh, thing came to mind. Um, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm thinking about the show a lot. And I um, was very aware of we, we sort of did something that was that was fun and, and felt close-ended. And we had them move in together at the end of the, mm-hmm. the first season. Um, and... Uh, you know, at that point, the challenge then was was the you know the 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 sort of um, hitting the the sophomore slump thing right in, right ahead of us. You know, mm-hmm. I was very aware of that, and and 
very and sort of in studying like what a lot of shows did um, in terms of trying to overcorrect or trying right. to just tread the like like let's just do the same season and hope no one notices yep. and just with a slightly bigger budget or whatever um, or so you can either be over over reactionary to it mm-hmm. you can not react at all or you can. Um, really just try to identify what's the next chapter in this book mm-hmm. and approach it from more of a novelistic point of view. I mean, I think like... All right, David Simon. David Simon, those <laughs> next words coming out of my mouth, really, I, I think he did, I think he really told the next chapter, but in a very like, oh, we're not, we're, we're, we're going to shock the audience because you're not going to, you're going to be in the world of Stevedore suddenly and not mm-hmm. know what the hell is going on. So we did not do that. Although we did a mini version of that in episode nine, where it starts with Justin Kirk and Tara Summers, mm-hmm. for the first five minutes, we're not watching our, our characters at all, and um, uh, you know, um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was purposeful, um, but it, it felt to me just like the next chapter in the story, and start to investigate a little bit of, okay, now we met these people, now why? It was just like it was the right. why season a little bit, but also I think. Um, it, I, I I don't know from what I speak exactly here, but it, I feel like they're involved in making that decision is a not an admission, but you have to have some comfort level with you are not going to give people you're not going to hit them in the same pleasure centers because the dopamine hit won't be as strong. So there's a sense that you may be I don't want to say disappointing people, but you're going to surprise people. You're going to set them off a little bit, and you have to be either confident enough or foolish mm-hmm. enough or brave enough to be like. Okay, we did it once, and we're going to do something else now. And you're along for this journey, so... Yeah, I mean, I think about um, when I was temping in L.A. when I first moved uh, to L.A. Um, and I remember sitting in the lunchroom at, Dis- at the Disney catalog where I worked for three this long is, years. This is glamorous. It was great. And I, was, I had my, like, um, tuna sandwich and, um, and pretzels, which is, you know, yeah. what my mom used to make me. And so I, I continued to make that Aww. for myself. It was very cheap, you know, yeah. seventy nine cents for a can of tuna, a little mayo. You're good. Um, you got yourself a stew. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood, uh, yeah. land of dreams. <laughs> I remember reading the New Yorker, um, and I remember, and I, I was reading Nick Hornby guest reviewing Kid A, Radiohead's new album. I'm so happy. This is this is a big one. This is this is an infamous review. Infamous is it? I don't know. Yes. I just for me it was infamous this because is, as a recovering rock critic, this, yeah. this was like yeah, this, this, this was shot fired. Because like, he, he to, to paraphrase Nick Hornby, he said, "I got kids. I'm in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time for this navel gazing shit. Bring back the guitar. Bring back the OK computer." Awesomeness. He's like, why? He's basically like, how dare you not write the songs I like anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it was this. It came from this place of deep. Resentment and entitlement. Well, and and if you read between the lines, oh, oh fuck, I'm getting old. It was a cry for help. Yeah, it was a cry for help a bit. Um, you know, it, arguably a better album than OK Computer. I think. I yeah. think it's 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 richer and more rewarding. But certainly, <laughs> especially with a little room temp tuna in your mouth. Yeah, like yeah. just if you really contextualize oh, yeah. it to that era. Certainly, take yeah, absolutely, and certainly takes a. Um, a bit of a bit, bit more, more uh, patience, I think. Yeah, but it's a brilliant album. Uh, yeah, you don't open with those crunchy guitars. It's, I, it opens with a, a shimmery uh, synth thing, if I if I remember correctly. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I remember that, and and I don't think, I mean, maybe Tom York was like, 
after touring for three years in uh, with the Benz and that and um, and Pablo Honey, maybe he, this is turning into a different podcast. But I can do this podcast. Okay, I am equipped do to do this. One. Um, but I think I think there was sort of a visceral sense of let's do some let, fuck. Let's just let's do let's mix it up. Right. We I, have to be invested in what we're doing, and we're tired of that. Yeah, we're tired of it. And 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 Johnny Greenwood's down with this, and and he's liking not Phil Selway. No, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was, but they no, uh, but you know, but guys. but digging there was this um, uh, it was there, there was this electronica band called like if x equals y or something like that that was just playing really bleepy bloopy. Oh, and yes, yeah, I remember yes. n equal yes. I, they were on mute. Re- I remember them. Yeah, really bleepy bloopy. I had on my first MP3 player, <laughs> downloaded from LimeWire, <laughs> uh, yep. and he and that was his favorite band. Like he was mm-hmm. clearly clearly this wasn't just an autecker. He was super into yeah, and yeah. clearly this wasn't just a fuck you. And in the same way, I'm a I'm a big fan of and have been awed by since I was a child watching Mash reruns with my family of shows that took creative risks mm-hmm. and things that made me an eight-year-old go what the fuck is happening mm-hmm. i'm i'm scared why why is hawkeye in a boat with a pool uh, in in, uh, uh, in a river of blood yeah where why aren't they just making fun of frank like um but also can i ask if there's yeah. also an element of this and maybe i'm getting the date slightly wrong but then as someone who was watching a lot of tv and making jokes about it but but in a loving i love tv kind of way as right. those early recaps were You'd seen a lot. You'd seen you've seen the tricks. You've seen the 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 you know the the you, you'd seen the moves, and so there may have been some frustration with seeing them just done over and over again. Yeah, I had seen the moves, but also very specifically, I had watched a lot of British television, mm-hmm. and I had seen the same shows Tom York had watched, probably, probably, yeah, and I'd I'd seen them take risks and allow their characters to be unlikable in a way that American television mm-hmm. uh, I mean I can't tell you how many t- I, I I wish I could make a super cut of executives telling me likability 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 and uh, and universality is uh, is the is the sort of dark other side of that and and I actually don't only think that's sort of wrongheaded but I think it's actually exact opposite of what you should be striving for and um and seeing even shows like Space, which don't, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm never, you're the worst I'm ever going to be at Comic Con, but, um, but to see shows like that take a lot of creative risks mm-hmm. and just get to be weird. And even Community, which is not, mm-hmm. which is, again, not what my show is going to be, but, but in, in, a, in a very real way, you could get the sense that Dan Harmon was, was, had toys and he was pleasing himself. Yes, that's very well put. I think that was true, especially in some seasons more well, than others. You know, but 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 for me, you know, w- without maybe going that far as to see that happening, I, I wanted to stay engaged and, and very much Genji Cohan on Weeds. We we had that thing, and, and and by the end of season four, it was like or season three, we're fucking tired of writing about Agrestic. Let's literally burn it down and have yes. them move, and and that alienated a, a lot of audience. Um, absolutely. But at the same time, I think it's what kept the show running for eight seasons. If they'd stayed in Agrestic, it wouldn't have happened. And I think what's been really remarkable um, about You're the Worst as it's unfolded is that you are taking plenty of chances and things get very crazy and weird, both in terms of you know jokes or plot choices or some of the aesthetic things that you did this year that hopefully we'll have time to talk about. Um, you know, the, 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 long, the long shots, the uh, bottle episode with two supporting characters. <laughs> but what comes out to me as the actually the the... The, the essential um, baseline of the show 
is this really raw, uncut universal emotions and psychological ideas. I mean, there is some there is some stuff that I've heard from my therapist and then I've heard from your TV show <laughs> right there. And I'm very grateful for that. And I think actually a occasionally broad comedy is a very great and exciting way to Trojan horse those ideas. But, you know, the... I'll put it this way. This is the thing that I was really struck by in this. So the the finale, you're airing two episodes back to back and the final two episodes of the season. And Mm -hmm. they're two of the strongest episodes you've done. I think that you know how we critics love to say penultimate. (laughs) I think the penultimate one may be the strongest one you've done in a lot of ways. I thought it was just exceptional, the arguments that are happening all at the same time. And I was watching it and I was thinking like the, the heart of almost all arguments on TV, comedy or drama, is one person's right, one person's wrong. And we're getting the plot advanced or we're learning about the relationship to these characters because someone's right and someone's wrong. Right. On your show, and on good shows, there are more than just <laughs> what we're talking about yours. In this episode in particular, what was so great was that each character passionately believed they were right and kind of were. That was the thing that's so messy and awesome and uncomfortable about it is that in the Dorothy Edgar fight, they're both right and there's not a fix. And you know, the Paul Lindsay one, though more extreme, is kind of right, too. Yeah. And you were able to write to that. So that becomes the universality that everyone was dinging you for. But that's not the way that anyone at NBC probably would have expected you to get there. Well, I, I came on this thing, uh, onto this thing re- recently after, um, after you went off the internet. Um, <laughs> it's been a rich five days. <laughs> where I was arguing with someone online. Yeah. And really, and really, really, so it was late at night. I had to go to bed. But someone wasn't just, you know, MAGA, drain the swamp, fuck you, you know, liberal, and hung up. They were sort of, I could sense they maybe were willing to engage. So I was like, okay, well, let me, so, okay, so I think I could, if I, I said to this person in a series of like eight tweets, I think I could talk about, some of the reasons I could write from the point of view of someone who voted for Trump who may maybe it would be surprising demographically or 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 what they're going to do their life wise um, but but kind of try to understand some of it I think I could I think I could mm-hmm. do that as a writing exercise so I, so I'm wondering to you anonymous anonymous egg could you could you un, from my point of view or someone someone who on the other side write why this uh, election outcome may be scary. Could, could you? Could that egg give you some humanity and empathy here? As yeah, well? l- literally that. Yes. And they they kept dodging and weaving. And by the end, I I it came to I, I came to, to believe that they just it, they just it didn't compute. They couldn't understand yeah. what I was even asking. Let alone. So to me then, and this is probably very simplistic, slash probably has been written about since fucking Plato, and I'm just getting there. But um, what I, the, one of the reasons I think that um, that I'm a, a pretty good writer and what, what goes into any good writing or acting specifically is the ability to sort of take your brain and, and uh, move it through time and space into someone else's body and mm-hmm. write from their experience, mm-hmm. right? Someone who who you don't have the same kind of Venn diagram of experience with or point of view. Um, and uh, and I think uh, actors need that as well. And, and that's why I, th- I f- think maybe why there's not a whole lot of good right-wing mm-hmm. artists. Where, like every few years, someone like Fox will try to make a right-wing daily show. Every and once it's in a while. And it's, it's not funny. The inability to um, to to empathize, yeah, right. So to and it doesn't and empathy 
in the way I'm talking about it, doesn't mean to even believe that other side is right. But to grant them the humanity. Grant them humanity, exactly. Yeah. And um, and when you look at the humor, because a lot of the alt-right movement is is really quote-unquote humor-based, right? They're these... They're these uh, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, because, because they're not trapped in our, like, trigger rooms of pieties and whatever. Like, they're free. LOL, Peppy the Frog, yeah. you know, that the crying emoji. It's, it's all cartoon, like, emoji. finally we can be free and laugh about real things and not yeah. worry about offending people. And none of it is actually funny. No, it's, yeah, it's just no. very I mean, distressing. Even, even if you take away, just, just on a pure joke construct level, yeah. it's not fun. It just right. doesn't it doesn't make, make the baseline for humor. First of all, it's, yeah, like it's, it's not, rule of threes, for example, they ignore Exactly. In other, in other words, yeah, they name like you know eight Jews, and then you're like, that's too many. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, uh, Anyway, to your point specifically, episode twelve is is three arguments all in the house, all sort of the culmination of the season with the three couples that we've established this season, and and yeah, and and the 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 chore, and um, Eva Anderson, you know, wrote the wrote that one is to is to really just put yourself in both sides of the argument, argue as if you're on a debate team and it's really just, you're just gonna get an A or you're gonna be graded on how good you argue mm-hmm. that side. And that's, I think, what you, you have to do as a dramatist. But do you think, um, you know, this has been a, a hobby horse of mine, but I'm, I don't think I'm alone with it. I think your, your show is, is a shiny example of why the half hour in general, not calling it comedy or drama, but the half hour in general ha- feels more elastic and exciting because you can do both. You know, you can you can have these long jags about Jimmy's incestuous novel, which is called The Width of a Peach, which yes. I, I laugh about that often. Which we, we had to, I had to cut out the reason why it's called that. I'm sure, I mean, hopefully DVD. Can you share it on this podcast? Sure. It, it, uh, it, it On his, I think it was on his uh, Form A, I looked it up, whatever <laughs> the English people call senior year prom, yeah. it's what his dad said the ideal size of a woman's vagina is in front of his prom date. <laughs> See, this is, we break news on this podcast. Yeah, the width of uh, a peach. <laughs> but you have all that, but then you can veer into these other things, you know, we, because you've established the framework that anything is possible. There's yeah. a high and there's low. There's broad and there's narrow in terms of the, the characters and the way they're drawn. But you can do all of it all at once. Yeah. And I think that's very exciting. But, but I mean, that, that the, uh, the unspoken thing in that is, is who gave us permission to do that, you know? And and I, I, I'm not sure I have it fully thought out, but I think that we've just been taking it. Yeah, me and a lot of other creators taking the, um, uh, the tonal license to kind of be everywhere. Whereas I think dramas, as having been held up as as real television, heavy and prestige importance. and heavy. Are less important to Ally McBeal it, are less sort of willing to. Yes. Because they, they don't get their after show if they do that. That's true. Although <laughs> I would love to do an Ally McBeal after show, even today. Although I will I will argue me, Breaking Breaking Bad is funny as me, shit. Chris, the dancing yeah, baby. Yeah. Well, all the best dramas are funny. Like Mad yeah. Men had Game seasons, of Thrones is hilarious. There's a couple ways. Dinklage gets some Dinklage, is Dinklage funny. has bars occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I no, I completely agree with it. But I also think that you know, we become preconditioned with the drama. You know, it builds to season, someone dies in the penultimate, and then we have the montage to end the season and we do it again like it, it's it's so rigid you know there's yeah. and the best drama to me regardless of what format it's in comes from a place of messiness and lack of resolution which sort of flies in the face of these 12 episode prestige seasons so right 
and, and you've steered directly into the flaming heart of that sun, <laughs> you know, particularly with this, particularly with the season and this finale. Right. I mean, you've you've uh, you, you've given us the cake and then choked on it too in this finale. I mean, you you have this moment of. First of all, I mean, let's just just diagram it. The way you get Gretchen and Jimmy to where they end up, just before where they end up. So right. the, the second to last beat is they've basically said. I mean, Jimmy tries to outthink it. You know, he's like, "Well, don't we get? Aren't we great for having tried, even though most things fail?" And and then he designs this amazing murder site and yeah. and he proposes. I mean, yeah. this is all wild stuff for fans of the show, and it's all working. And then you gut punch us with the double graduate ending of the two faces. Yeah. yeah. Well, I. I so if you if you sort of just look at the what's happened to them in the last few episodes, they 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 got into an argument, and this is just a, a relationship thing that I've observed or, or lived through, where you go down a road and it's really by the end of it, it's um, a box of cables in your garage. Like you couldn't even begin to untangle mm-hmm. it, and they get to that point. And they decide to just put the box back in the garage. Yes. To not even not even attempt to unravel. But isn't it also some element of like there has to be meaning in tangling all these wires? It has to have been a success because the alternative is too. Well, that's yeah, exactly. They, too they, they put the bo- they they take a picture of the box and go. Well, look. At least we tried to right. So to we, put all these wires we, in we some sort of order. So that. we we get a we get a medal for that. There so has that's to be better. a reason. Um, you know, and 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 so in a way, they have they've really put off doing any actual work to fix it. Now, I would argue also that maybe that's not maybe that's a, a okay way to handle it, right? Um, it, it certainly can sustain you for a while, and in a way that what we're talking about is all the central couples. I mean, the the, yeah. the devastating thing that Lindsay says to Paul is, "You knew I was a snake, but you yeah. but you create this, you know, in his case, particularly ridiculous narrative right. about." defeating the snake yeah. or ignoring that it's a snake and yeah. and you know the the Dorothy Edgar thing not too dissimilar she's like well i i have to keep going because i can't admit that all of this was for nothing right i mean it's chasing right. chasing bad money what do they say yeah, chasing, chasing bad money after good or something a good money after bad well and and you know that started to get back to well i'll get back to Jimmy Gretchen but 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 with ed i mean i my goal is to always make things as complicated, as messy, but as real as possible. So not messy for messy's sake, but messy because life is. And w- the, w- Edgar's story really for me is a redemption tale of him. Even mm-hmm. though it ends badly, it actually ends good for him. It ends very well for him. Because he gets to a point where he can have normal human emotions and say, oh, my girlfriend not doing so well when I'm doing great was kind of bumming me out and, and raining on my parade. Bigger. He says he's not going to get Lindsay a pizza. And I'm that's, not going to give Lindsay a pizza. It, it is, absolutely. But, but to say something dickish, like, I'm glad my girlfriend broke up with me because she was kind of a downer and I'm doing real good right now. For him to get to that point when you see what he went through earlier in the mm-hmm. season with um, the PTSD uh, stuff is a victory for him. Um, but but so so back to Jimmy and Gretchen. So they, they decide to blow past it, and they say in the first um, scene at the bar in this episode, so are we okay? And they both say, let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not. And they say, fine. And 
Uh, and Jimmy has created this whole murder thing and, and, and led her and orchestrated this thing that is very much up her alley. Knew he'd get her there by pretending someone was murdered. And by the way, Aya really sells this. She, oh. I don't know if she likes murders, but she... I don't know, she was projecting in her head something she other than projecting. murders. She was projecting. Well, she's she, just that. She's so good. Goddamn good at acting. No, she. Well, I, I think she likes murders a little less, but the two, um, two of my writers, uh, Eva Anderson and Allison Bennett, they really love murder. Like, they have, like, they go on murder tours. They have, like, a murder um, group. It was great because I've never understood anything less, but I also completely believed that it was a thing. Like, I, a thousand oh, percent, that's real. My fiance loves murder. I'm always saying, you love murder. I always say to my mom, who's like in her 80, early 80s, she, I'm like, you love murder. She's like, no, I love mysteries. I was like, no. are there are any of the mysteries you read <laughs> about like a robbery? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, a robbery, murder. You love murder. <laughs> you just, you're drawn to, I mean, cereal. Yeah. That's why cereal's big. Or, or anyway, um, yeah, so uh, uh, I, I forget the question, but we but we get them up there, and he makes this argument that if we don't, if we we're we're, we're better than all those people, so why not join forces? Basically, yep. And she is touched that he made a murder and says yes. Then she says, "What the? I mean, what the the theme of the season? As you 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 were talking earlier, mm-hmm. we we keep it very mundane. It's a very it's a very." mundane topic the the uh, the season's about family really it's mm-hmm. about um and he says earlier that he's post family earlier in the episode he says every he says he basically says hey gretchen don't say the f word later yeah. when i ask you to marry me and then up on that hill she says she's overcome with emotion she says we're no longer just what we were we're mm-hmm. a family now mm-hmm. what he's been trying to get past the mm-hmm. whole season with his dad dying and and in saying and she so she magically transforms three seasons of fun and and um, sex and, and escapism and escapism to this now they're this unit called family that mm-hmm. is so just so so um, rich and toxic to so many people it so it has so much baggage that he has no he has no choice but to get in his car and drive quickly away yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. Thank God you got renewed, and I'm glad I can uh, <laughs> tell you about that. I, I, we, sh- we should wrap up soon, but I do yeah. have a couple other points to touch on. Um, the Ed- you mentioned the Edgar episode, the, the PTSD episode is an extraordinary piece of Thank television you. and filmmaking. Um, it's really impressive on every level. Um, the question I had about it was: Is this a case? Were these the issues of PTSD in Veterans Affairs? Were you? Did you have a connection to those issues before the character, or did the, did you write the character? You give him a backstory, and then as you sought to humanize the character and, and you know and, and add depth to him, that you wrote your way into this world. No, I mean he uh, Edgar was a total Trojan horse. Um, in that I have been, I have no personal relationship to Veterans Affairs, unlike the mental illness stuff, but. It has been something, for whatever reason, adopted me mm-hmm. at some point. And I think it was really just one day it struck me. I, I like, And this is very embarrassing to admit. But I believe it goes back to I was playing paintball in the forest. Yeah, this All good stories start this way. And I was, I, I had just gotten divorced. And these guys from high school who were two years older than me asked me to go Every summer, we go play paintball with us in, in in the middle of California on this like in this forest, and I had always said no. And this year, I said yes, yeah. and I went, and I was in the forest, you know, waiting for it to be killed and trying to kill people. And I was like, 
holy shit, I do not like this at all. Yeah. I do not like this. And then, obviously, then I started thinking about actual war and maybe not being a well-to-do 35-year-old and actually scared 18-year-old. Yeah. And then I just couldn't shake that afterwards. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, he has PTSD. We talk about his issues in the pilot episode. Yeah. Um, so it just, it, 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 then I wanted to get it away from it in season two and let him be a human um, and let him find other, um, uh, uh, other likes and, and hobbies. And then season three, it, I knew it had to come back and in a big way. But I also think, um, you know, the, the, more, the more time I spend thinking about TV and talking to people who make TV, one of the best skills... Obviously, being associated with websites I've been associated with, sports culture metaphors are a little too simple. But Mm. I do think, like, the best showrunners have to be, like, the best coaches in that you have to know who's on your team and what they're capable of, and you put them in positions to succeed. And one thing that has to have been, um, you know, a gift is that, you know, Des is a very good actor. Yeah. Uh, He's very funny. Yeah. But he also, you know, he does does theater actor. He does a lot of other things. And you, so you knew, right, that you could lean on him. You knew you could do this. Yeah, I mean, I hired... I hired all five tool players. I mean, and 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 inherently uh, dumb comedy. You're using maybe two or three, <laughs> and so um, for me, it was just it was just uh, I just I'd be stupid to leave it on the table, you know, to leave anything on the table. That and that's sort of my approach to the show in general is if I'm allowed to use physical comedy, mm-hmm. um, scatological comedy, um, uh, uh, um, music. Um, uh, 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 heavy drama, um, um, pointillism, <laughs> neorealism. Why wouldn't I use all that? Like, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. If they say, if they don't say no, and it can somehow, I can totally make it all hold together mm-hmm. with spit and mirrors. Why? Why wouldn't I do that? Are you ever surprised though at the load bearing ability of this vessel that you built? Because for as much. You know, experiences you had had writing for TV, creating pilots, working on other successful shows. When you wrote the year of the worst pilot, there's still an element of it where you're you're writing it, and it has to be, and it's funny on in these mm. number of pages, and you can't get too far ahead of yourself. And yet, you you did build this seafaring vessel that yeah. now could withstand a, a serious depression storyline, PTSD storyline, um, the stuff that you're talking, the stuff that you did this season with people carrying parental voices in your head. Yeah, that's real. That's some deep yeah. stuff. That uh, that that I responded to, and your show could do that. I mean, I think I think the load bearing nature you're talking about is is, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Like, you know, the fans of of architecture aren't worried about what the contractor did. They're not interested in how deep down the pilings went. Yes. Right. Um, and and so I you know I I, I see myself. I'm with one hand showing the, the 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 fun and the and the sparkles, but the other hand, I'm digging those pilings. So, I was very aware early on that I needed to tell the audience in a subtle way, without them knowing, the show could be anything. Mm-hmm. Except, what I would not do is um, quick cut to jokes. Yeah, that's the one thing I wasn't going to do because you're not a fan of them, or do you feel that they're just not suitable for this particular? I, I'm not, I I just think it's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's just easy. Remember that. Uh, whatever I could, you know, whatever. It's been it's been parodied enough. Um, but uh, but beyond that, uh, we were, were you going to do the Family Guy thing. I, uh, yes, to, to you don't have to do step. it. I can do it. No, you can do it. You do it. What with it? Like when they would make fun of yeah. the way Family Guy does. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but 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 a lot yeah. of good show. I like How I Met Your Mother. It was a nice show. Thirty and, Rock. Thirty Rock. Yeah, th- <laughs> that that hack. Uh, <laughs> that hack. Fay. Um, 
but it has been done, and it, we've become accustomed to that. Yeah, and I won't do. I won't do. Uh, uh, and and the other thing that that annoys me about about television is uh, ghost characters. Hate ghost characters. Like who come back and talk to people. Like Dexter. Like Ghost yeah. Dad. Yeah. I fucking hate it. I, I don't like that either. I can't stand it. It's so easy and cheap. But also every. TV creator, no matter what show it is, you are setting the dial on your own reality, and yeah. you have to. And, and once you set it, though, you have to police that, or else then you yes. sell things out. And we talked about this when we talked after season one. That I was struck by, despite the the wildness of some of the jokes and the situations, you refuse to sell out the characters, you refuse to sell out their humanity for those jokes. Right. You 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 dealt with the Hangover too. Yeah, I mean the one the one <laughs> the one thing that that do you mean the Hangover as well or Hangover Two? I meant I, <laughs> I meant another Hangover, the one that's in development Thailand, over yeah, 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 with the younger yeah, the, or the prequel, yeah, the, the reboot. <laughs> well, it's I, at the bar mitzvah. I, I meant metaphorically, but in this case, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and and the one this season, I did something that I I'm I've, I'm a, a tiny bit regretful of, although it gave me the most joy of almost anything. <laughs> And that is showing Dorothy to be kind of a racist, a drunk driver, <laughs> yeah. and have her life fall apart. Yeah. Um, for some reason, watching someone's dream crumble around them tickled me. And maybe it's just because Colette's so great, or maybe it's just because that happens in L.A. Also, you, you, you were able to make some, some very knowing... Uh, uh, Commentary, let's say, about the improvisational community comedy world, just as you did with podcasts. Yeah. I, I, I hope Adam Pally took that with a good good spirit. I, I don't really care if he did he's, because that he, he's a wonderful podcast guest. Let me say, like, I'm sure he would have been great on Vernon down the house. That literally, that was just, <laughs> someone pointed it out on when I used to follow uh, people watch the show on Twitter. Um, he uh, so we did the Vulture um, uh, Vulture Games in yeah. New York a few months ago. And it was a game show, our thing, was You're the Worst Cast against the younger cast. Oh, yeah. Adam Pally and Casey Wilson were the hosts. Yeah. And she struggled valiantly against, you know, badly written jokes and, and not a not great concept. <laughs> yeah. And he basically just shit all over it the entire time. <laughs> and his attitude was, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. I'm way better than all of this. Right. And it annoyed, and we were all very annoyed by that. I ended up embracing it and yeah. loving the chaos. Yeah. So this was our just this is my just little a little nudge, little nudge, yeah. little nudge. That's what I you can do when you have the TV show. <laughs> That's you, you can, can settle that. some scores in really dumb ways when yeah. you have the TV show. When you're show. a star, they let you do it. It's no they big let deal. You do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Grab them by the how are you? So this will end this this week. You will finally be done working on this season. Yes. Thank but God. you have many projects in development. Yes. You have a, you have a child that you are rearing. You have another she's season of the show. She's still in development. <laughs> she's not in turnaround. She's in development. No, she's in development. You, yeah. You have a. <laughs> she's picked up for season two. Pay to play for year two. Yeah. You have a. Uh, you have another season to work on. So where mm. where. Just give me the. What am I doing? What are you looking at? What's that, what are you excited about? I'm, yeah, uh, you know, I'm working on some shows with uh, some of my writers, yeah. and another with a. Because um, paying it forward—that's the beauty of it. Yeah, another with a. Um, well, it's really just piggybacking on them. <laughs> yeah, Do you have any good ideas I can put my name on? Like they're younger and have energy and ideas, and you're just yeah, like the succubus yeah. on their back. Basically, no. Um, I'm, I'm doing something with another um, a comedian, a stand-up who's not doesn't work on my show, but I like her work a lot, and um, um, I adapted a book. To now, I'm attached to direct it, and um, that's exciting. Yeah, um, and um, 
But, uh, and uh, just fulfilling my overall and doing other TV things and, and trying to figure, like, I have a shockingly small amount of time. I um because I do I write the whole season then I do pre-production then I do production then I do so post so it never overlaps very rarely little of it that overlaps. sounds neat I, I mean literally it sounds like an yes. organized way to it's do it it's a good clean. way to do it because for whatever reason I set this show up I'm the only executive producer it just all has to go it's just my yeah. voice and blah 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 and uh but it but it it, it stretches out to being a 10 10 and a half month process Right, but um, often, often those things overlap to some degree. Yeah. Um, sometimes shows are being written while they're in production. Oh, yeah. Usually they're being written while they're in pre-production. Yeah, I, I, the show I did in New York briefly, um, uh, you can Google it. Uh, I, I had my writer's room. All-time live journal post, though. Yeah. All-time. It was pretty good. It is very good. It was Tumblr, but yeah. I, I had my writer's <laughs> Sorry, room. dating myself there a little no, bit. No, you are. Yeah, it was Zenga. Uh, <laughs> I had my writer's room, and then I would run down to set. We were literally off the set. We were three. We were on the... Near the near the rafters in this little writers' room, I'd run down, watch the first couple takes, run back up to the writers' room, see what they had done, and if anything, in the fifteen minutes I was gone, run to editing. It was all happening at the same time, and I much prefer this way. Well, I hope that at some point in the off season, maybe you can come back on and we can we can talk about other TV shows. Yeah, I just still, talk shit about TV because I like I, you, you you know. Yeah. You have a running joke to make that makes fun of Rectify on your show. I love it. We do. Like yeah, it. we created a whole show. <laughs> it's great. That show would be winning Peabody's. If Exemplify. It were real. Well, we decided that we heard two. Two. We keep a list of actors who like our show mm-hmm. uh, to see if maybe we can ask them to guest. And Pat Oswalt and Elizabeth Moss are the fictional uh, stars of Exemplify. <laughs> it's beautiful. Someday we want to shoot. Yes. Uh, a, a, we, the show within a show, like Twin Peaks. You yeah, we just it. wanted a whole episode this season that was a, a episode of Exemplify. Oh, man. Uh, which is, I think it's in, in its fourth season on Blue Cube Streaming Network. Um, and and they're the they're the stars of it. So so there's a lot to look forward to is what you're saying. There's still more to mine here. Season four, there's a few things to mine. All right, well, I can't wait for it. Stephen Fogg, thanks for coming to talk to me. Thanks, bud. 